Hello, everyone. Welcome to Outside Perspective with me, Adam Meredith. I have a great episode for you today. Looking forward to sharing it. But before I get to my guests, first, housekeeping. Please, please, please go and leave a review and a rating. And if you haven't, subscribe to the podcast. Um, also tell a friend, just tell one person, if you find any value in these podcasts, if you enjoy them, they entertain you, you learn something, whatever the case may be, tell a friend, uh, help me grow this. Really appreciate it. Next. Have you heard of CBD cannabidol? This compound is found in the cannabis plant and it has a ton of benefits. First, let me address maybe some concerns that you might have. No, it is not uh, going to get you high. That would be THC. That is a different compound found within the same plant. However, this is not what we are talking about. CBD is a non-psychoactive compound, so you don't have to worry about altering your consciousness, and it will not show up on any sort of test. It is not what they're actually testing for. What it will do for you, though, is it can help relieve anxiety. It helps reduce inflammation. It can help with seizures if that's something that you suffer from. It has neuroprotective properties, neurogenesis, neurogenetic properties. Is it neurogenetic or neurogenesis properties? I always fuck it up. Either way, it can help you grow new brain cells. It acts as an adaptogen. Essentially, whatever you're needing is a, kind of what it's, it, it's doing for you. Um, it's not a miracle. It's not a miracle. Nothing is. However, I like to use a company called Jumbo Superfoods, and they make the best products when it comes to this. I use their CBD Muscle Balm, but they also make um, a ghee you can put in your coffee. I like to put their CBD spray in my coffee. They have a cinnamon one. Tastes fucking phenomenal. They also have a mint one. Perfect breath mint. Um, they also have a ghee. Did I say the ghee already? I don't think I did. They have a ghee you can put into your coffee. I might have said that twice. Their products are phenomenal. They're all high quality ingredients. Um, none of the junk. None of the fillers. None of the bullshit. So go check them out. I have notes um, I have their link in the show notes. If you use that, it does help kick back a small percentage back to the podcast, and it helps me out. So I appreciate that. If it's your first time ordering with them, you can use the code Jumbo Loves You at checkout. Take fifteen percent off your first order. So go and give them a shot. Today's guest is Rich Grafe. Rich is a black belt under Leo Pisania. He is a fucking savage on the mat. Uh, Four-time world champion. And he has trained uh, at, at most of the, if not every school, I think. Uh, most of the schools in the area. Now, there is some history to that, which we don't really dive too much into on the, on the podcast. Um, I'm just going to leave it at... You know, I wasn't there. Um, all of my interactions with Rich have been good. Uh, so I'm just going to judge him off of, you know, the present and um, just uh, keep it positive. So, yeah, uh, I had a really good time talking to Rich. And uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this one for sure. Uh, so 
Give it up for Rich Grafe. Rich Grafe. Yeah, I just want to keep on with our conversation that we were going with because you mentioned PEDs. Um, I don't know if those are necessarily, uh, well, steroids, I guess. I don't know if steroids are necessarily a bad thing. I feel like they've been, in sports, right? I mean, you don't necessarily want them in sports with like fighting and stuff where you could hurt somebody. Um, but I feel like that, like, steroids have been uh, really villainized. You ever well, thought about that? Yeah, I. Because I'm going to take steroids when I get older, 100, 100%. I don't mind. I There's don't, no question. You know, like I was saying, after my surgery in 2011, um, I was I was focused on competing. You know, I would train between, you know, I was in the gym every day, 10 to 14 times a week. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'd be there at 530 in the morning, and I wouldn't leave there till 9 o'clock at night. And there'd be rest and, you know, condi- you know. We we train at five thirty. We go home. We get some breakfast. Um, come back for a noon class. Yeah. Then we go to like Schnooks and get a big buffet. You know, carrots and just hummus everything. and you know just you know good foods and train. You know, do some conditioning after our stomach settled and then train at night. And so it, it takes a toll on the body. So after uh, after I injured my shoulder, Nick Schrock um, came over to train and ended up tearing my labrum and, and I got surgery on that. And it, I still went and competed after he, uh, after he tore my shoulder, um, 2011 Pan Ams and I made it to the quarterfinals. And I think I sustained one more tear in During that, that, in that match. So what belt were you at this time? I, I had, I had just got my purple belt. Okay. So I, I got my purple belt in August of 2010. So this was March, 2011. <coughs> So uh, Dr. Corey Solman was like, okay, we're going to schedule this surgery. And I was like, I can't do it that date. And he said, why? And I said, uh, I'll be in California competing. <laughs> he goes, I'm worried that your arm's going to be out of socket or you're dangling or whatever. And I said, well, that's just the chance we're going to take. Yeah. Um, everything's already paid for. And my buddy that I used to train with, Dave Copeland, he was on the he was on the verge of getting his purple belt and i wanted him to compete at a large tournament to show you know show our instructor hey he's ready for the next level but financially couldn't afford it so i paid for i paid for the whole shebang oh really i wouldn't let him pay for anything i'd go out there have a good time and he won and he had three tough matches um just horrendous matches but i went out there um tore my shoulder one more time uh, so I had three tears in my labrum, and uh, I came back, and uh, he did the surgery, and he he's very aggressive. He goes, you'll be on the mat by the end of the year. Oh, nice. So I, I was really afraid to rehab it, mm-hmm. and I, I just, I I used unconventional means to rehab it. You know, I didn't go to a doctor or anything. When I felt it was tight enough, I just started because I owned a demolition company at the time. Okay. And we had a deadline on this job down on Washington Avenue, and I just had two guys on the job, and they were just beat to hell, you know. It was hot in the basement, and, you know, you got torches going, and, you know, one guy huffing out, you know, two, three hundred pound pieces of iron. 
and here I am sitting in my truck in the air conditioning doing books, and I'm like, man, you're a piece of shit. Get down there and help your guy, you know, lead from the front. Yeah. So I ran downstairs and started huffing these up, you know, 200, you know, maybe 100, 250-pound valves, and I'm just, you know, I'm just dead-arming it. This is after surgery? This is this is probably, let's see, I got surgery in May, so it was probably October, November. Okay. So I... I I should have already been rehabbing it, but I was just, I was being a pussy is what I was being. Oh, so, so you weren't doing like any sort of stretching or anything no, prior to that? I didn't do shit. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that was about five months. So <coughs> you're probably, yeah, not really like an injury, like, in, I mean, you weren't really at like a huge chance of like, like you said, it was tight already. It was already healed, mm-hmm. but you just have any range of motion, I imagine. I had, z- oh, my range of motion was horrible. Yeah. It was yeah. like, I mean, I couldn't, couldn't scratch my back. Couldn't. Ter- yeah. I tore my labrum and rotator cuff in 2000, uh, right at the end of 2015 and I had surgery okay. at the beginning of 2016. And, um, ever since then I've just been religiously trying to make sure I have like my range of motion and mobility in my shoulders. It was like, it set me on the path of like mobility and stretching. You know how nasty that surgery um, is. It's- oh, dude. <laughs> Dude, yeah, and then like you get the surgery, and I, I I did go to PT. Like I think I had the surgery on like a Thursday or Friday, and I went to PT on Monday. And he's like taking my arm and like moving it and shit. I'm like, bro, I just had surgery. What the <laughs> fuck you doing? Like this doesn't feel good, but I guess it's okay. I guess. Well, yeah. I just i I went into the I went in for a follow up, and I'm like, you know, he's like, look at your range of motion. Look how good you're doing. And I told him what I did. He goes, man, you're crazy. And I said, I, I want something more though. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about, you know, steroids and he wasn't going to prescribe them, but you know, there, there's a line he didn't want to cross and there's a yeah. line I didn't want him to cross and just, you know, tell me what I could do. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. What have you heard? Yeah. You know, so, um, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, <clears throat> um, so, you know, I, I, I did like one cycle mm-hmm. and, and it, it, I guess it repaired it. I haven't had any problems with it no since. since. So, um, but you know, then everybody in the world wanted to know, oh yeah, what are you doing? Let, let's talk about, you know, yeah. rich grave does steroids. I'm like, I did it one time, man. And that was yeah. just to, you know, get my shoulder where it needed to be. And, you know, I went into 2012 and it was the best year I ever had in jujitsu. So, I mean, I, I, I basically, I won everything, you know, a double gold at Pans and, um, you know, went to Brazil and fought down there, CBJJ Worlds and won. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, this is all, you're still a purple belt all at this I'm time. I'm still right? a purple belt. Right. Yeah. That's a successful like year as a purple belt, man. It, it, it was, I, I want to get in a time machine and go back, you yeah. know, cause I think that's when I, I was still really developing my game back then. But, um, I don't know. I just, I was, I was in a really happy place. I was in a fun place. I was learning a lot. I was training a lot. It was a family to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd love to rewind back to 2012, but you know, that's, that's not possible. Yeah. Time only goes one way. Time only goes one way. Right. Yeah, dude, man, you've had a very, um, interesting journey (laughs) with, uh, jujitsu, um, just kind of from what I've heard a little bit, um, but I don't, I mean, I only have like very like fraction like pieces. Um, so why don't you like kind of take me back to like the beginning, if you will, okay. to kind of where things started for you with it all. That, that works for me. Um, Brian Guidry and I wrestled in college, um, together 
And I saw him, God, 2000, 2001, um, downtown on Washington Avenue. And uh, he started telling me about it. He's training. He's fighting and this and that. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I think from that time to about 2006, <laughs> when I finally started, um, he told me he was with Rodrigo Vaghi, and I probably had called Rodrigo on the phone five, six, seven, eight times. Yeah, I really want to train. You know, well, come on in, buddy. You know, try a class and this and that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it was the same. It was the same exchange every time I called. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like this it's guy's like, gonna be like, like "Fuck, it's dude." Like, come on in, dude. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I. Uh, I gave Brian a shot and went down there and started training down North Broadway. And, uh, it was great, man. We fucking, in the summertime, we had no air mm-hmm. in the wintertime. We had no fucking heat. I mean, we were using propane heaters. Yeah. And this is what you said on North Broadway, right? Yeah. The North Broadway. Yeah, yeah. His first spot at, uh, above Shady Jack's, uh, Jack Larison, um, good friend of mine. I've known Jack for years. So it, that made it even better, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, and, and I slowly migrated. I started cross-training. I started going to the main academy, and I started cross-training there. And that's when uh, I got reconnected with Mike Rogers. Um, fuck, I, I can't say enough good things about Mike. Um, love the guy to death. Um, Todd Fox, um, Tracy Taylor, um, John Mankey, all all have influenced me, pos- you know, in a positive way. Um, I remember the first and the only time I asked about rank, yeah. First and the only time <laughs> Tracy said, train without expectation. Yeah, that's the phrase. Train without expectation. If your goals are making rank, go do something else. So, and, and that always stuck with me. And, uh, you know, after training a couple months, I'm like, fuck, I want to compete. I want to compete. So my buddy worked for American Airlines. So I'm like, well, let's, let's go to Miami. Let's do a Naga Miami. So I'm like, hey, John Mankey, you want to go? because I was learning a lot from him at the time. And, um, <coughs> excuse me. So we flew down there for free first class. Well, John actually got booted back to coach because in order to fly first class, you have to dress up. Well, you know, Mankey and he showed yeah. up in some fucking board shorts like and flip flops. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, long, did he have long hair at that time still? Uh, it wasn't too long. Okay. No, no, he, he it, it was still in the growing process, but, um, he gets up to the ticket counter and they're like, you have to ride and coach, you know? So, uh, we get down there. We had a great time. Um, Tracy actually came down there. Um, but I remember watching John Mankey as a purple belt. Um, I think he was a four stripe purple belt at the time and just what he could do amazed me. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, am I ever going to be able to, cause I've always doubted myself. You know, uh-huh. in, in learning this, I'm like, I'll never be a blue belt or I'll never learn this. I'll never learn because, you know, and then what is explained to me is it's a fucking marathon. It's yeah. not a sprint. So take your time and relax and uh-huh. just learn bits and pieces slowly, p- put them together. And, uh, but I remember Mankey just fucking demolishing brown and black belts down there. And yeah, I'm he's like, slick. Holy fuck. Yeah, he, he's amazing. But, uh, you know, and, what good coaches though Tracy Tracy and John on the side of the mat when I was competing and I think I had about 14 matches that weekend 
that was back when you could sign up for multiple divisions. Oh, really? So I had signed up for four divisions. I think I competed in three. It was just like match after match after match. And I just remember them, you know, and I, I, I still didn't know a whole lot. And I think the most of my submissions were some move John had just told me. Yeah. And I remember in a match the side you know the guy's team was yelling oh he's only got that one fucking move and then and then Mankey and, and Tracy it was like almost a almost a skirmish on the side of the mat and you know um but it was fun um that, that was my first tournament and then I did like I think I did 14 tournaments in 12 months oh shit yeah you're active got got my got my blue belt um <coughs> Sorry if I ramble. No, you're fine. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a lot of tournaments because that wasn't um, that like during that time there weren't a lot of circuits no, around. No, and 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 the good thing, let me rewind here. I I made a good connection at that Naga Miami, um, with with Kip Kohler, with mm-hmm. Joe Cuff, John Hagopian, and from then on, the reason I was able to compete compete so much is I'd go there and work, and mm-hmm. then they'd let me compete. They'd pay for my hotel. They'd pay for my flight. Yeah some of my food so uh but i got my blue belt in august um it was actually on my birthday i got my blue belt and uh, so were you at rodrigo's at this time or i was at rodrigo's yeah i had kind of migrated over there um i don't know how that came to be but um um i migrated over there was training and i remember (coughs) we were getting ready for the world's um, it's the first year they had the worlds in the United States. And, uh, I think they were doing a CrossFit fundraiser to raise money, to get more people, um, to go there. And Rodrigo called me up and goes, buddy, where are you? We're having this fundraiser. I expected you to be here. And I'm like, I'm down in Florida. I'm competing at the Naga. He goes, okay, I got one more thing. August 4th, you're going to test for your blue belt. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't think I was going to, you know. I train without expectation. I never, I never thought that, you know, I was ready for it. So I'm like, well, I can't argue with him. He's the boss. Yeah. So <clears throat> got my blue belt two, three weeks later. We're, we're in, I mean, we took, we took 30 something people, I think. And I think the only person to train Rogers was really close to placing. I think Brazilian Mike was close to tra- uh, placing, but Tracy took third. Where was this at? California, California. Long Beach. Okay. Yeah. It was at the pyramid. Okay. So it, amazing experience. So this is adult worlds. Adult worlds, yeah. And here my ass is uh, 2007, was I 39 years old competing against adults. So I think I made it the quarterfinals, maybe the match before the quarterfinals, but mm-hmm. um, it, it, it was a great time. Um, I ended up, I think I ended up paying f- out of pocket for about four people to go there, five people to go there. We had 10 people in a red roof inn in Long Beach. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it you, was cramped in there. You look out the window and there's prostitutes across the street. <laughs> I was like, they're like, Rich, could you have found a little better place? I was like, you know, so, I was hey, trying to be economical. He's like, we, like, we got to fucking stay somewhere, dude. <laughs> right. That's funny. But That's funny. I think John Rice House, Matt Rice House, Aaron Rooney, Dave Copeland, BJ Copeland. Um, fuck i mean we had a we had a lot of people in there yeah so, yeah but, but ibjjf is an interesting tournament i uh, it is i competed at um world's masters for the first time <coughs> this year i've never actually competed in ibjjf before um i didn't know you were old enough to 30 yeah <laughs> 30 okay yeah, i'll be 31 okay. next month or okay. yeah in december rather okay um but uh 
it uh you know you hear horror stories about IBJJF and um all in all I mean it's a huge tournament nothing runs perfectly um I feel like you know it was ran pretty well but I it, I definitely saw some things that made me scratch my head and, yeah. you know you hear about it like you know points coming out of nowhere or referee decisions I'm just like ah whatever like but then you go there and you see it and I'm just like holy shit man like this is like a real thing and like it's very blatantly obvious they are not ready to let americans you know yeah <laughs> win all the time so it's really interesting um i can remember i was watching <coughs> one match and uh this was the i think it was either yeah it was the semifinals or it might have been the finals even but the guy like got a takedown had two points and then um that was pretty much the whole match he controlled the guy he set in guard for most of the time and then, but out of nowhere, two points came for the other guy, and then the referee decision gave it to the other guy. And I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. And that was either the finals or the semifinals, one of the two. But I'm just like, how did that? Like, where did that? It was very interesting to see. Have you seen? Have you come across a lot of that with IBJJF? Or well, what are your thoughts on them as a whole? I think I think as a whole, though, the, the sport needs a governing body. Yeah. And what a better, you know, I can't think of a better organization. Yeah, I think as a whole, they're doing great. They're they're doing great, and and. But it boils. It's the referees, you know. It's like yeah. the good old boy club. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> we can look back at Tracy. Uh, Tracy sent me his uh, his uh, match against Comprito, and I, I I listened to you guys talk and. Why the fuck were there three referees there? That should only be for black belts in the semifinals and the finals. There were, there were three referees. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know why. But they really, I mean, I love Comprito to death. He's a good friend of mine. I won't, I'll, I'll never talk ill of him. But they they like to protect their own. Yeah. Um. And, and I'll say it, yeah, you Brazilians like to protect your own. Yeah. So, um, but uh, it's clearly a guard pass, too. Yeah, I didn't catch that until after. Like, I had to rewatch it because um, Tracy immediately passed his guard and held that, and they never gave him points for that. I, I guess maybe it's a 10-second rule you have to hold it for maybe now. Maybe when but... you're going against one of the best in the world, I guess you got to hold it for 10 seconds. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's still it still has a lot, um, a lot of things they need to work out. Um, there needs to be more consistency with the referees. Yeah. Um, I think I think they run it pretty efficiently. I think so too. Yeah, it definitely is a well-ran tournament. Um, I can't really complain. I did hear. I don't know. Did you hear this? I heard that they're now, and I, sh I should have just looked it up, but I think they're now requiring everybody to register for membership. I think at one point it was just like browns and blacks, and then they extended that to purple belts. Right. And now I think it's like white belts, and up everybody has to register now. Have you heard that? Is yes. that is that yes. the case? That's. I think they just implemented that this year and. Um, I've had my card since I was a purple belt. Yeah. So paying $35, $40 each year to renew, you know. Um, is that all the renewal is? It's $35, $40. Bucks. Is it? I okay. mean, you, you you spend that you spend that in a week on maybe, you know, like Red Bull or Starbucks or whatever. So, um, and, and what a lot of people, a lot of people just look at the tournament. But what they also do, I mean, they have to bracket these, and I'm sure they use some kind of computer um, to assist or some program. But you know, they also do rankings. They also, you know, yeah. they they keep records. I mean, they do they do do some pretty cool things, especially for um, like at at 
uh, the tournament in Vegas, they um, they gave like all these like really cool. I think it was metal. Well, they gave all these rings I to like that. all the world um, like uh, ranked people, and um, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, they're doing that for the sport, and they're you know they're giving them their recognition and, and different things. So there's definitely a lot of good, but I do think it's um, it's opened up uh, like it's opened up a window for the like the submission only tournaments. I. I think me personally, I kind of gravitate more towards submission only, and I've I've kind of seen you see like you've seen a rise in more and more of those tournaments coming. So, what do you think about those type of tournaments? Like, well, I'd like to see that. I mean, and I've had plenty of boring matches myself, and it and it, I just I've never felt complete. Yeah, I won by ref's decision, no points scored. Yeah, or I've won by an advantage. You know, you know, because I, I almost did something, um, but. I'm always, I'm always, it's a submission sport, so I'm always geared toward, you know, the submission. So, yeah, um, they'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, jiu-jitsu in the States is still, you know, in the IBJJF of Pierce, you know, it's been here 11 years. It's still, you know, it's still new. It's still a it new product. It is still really new if you put so, it like that. Yeah, 11 years, that's not very long. And, and the first world tournament was in 1996, so really that's not, you know, that was 22 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, it's still, it's still new. Somebody, somebody will figure something out, you know, um, maybe the next generation of people, um, that take over, but I, I'd like to see, um, I don't know. I'd like to see them get rid of winning by advantages. Yeah. Um, um the ref's decision, you know, send it in overtime. Yeah, do that. You give, know. give some sort of definitive. I just like the idea that um, I don't have to worry about necessarily <coughs> putting myself in a bad position just because I went for a submission or I went for something. You know what I mean? Right. Like uh, because you're gonna lose points for whatever something silly because you went for something. Right. Yeah. So. And, and there's very few of those. There's very few of those jujitsu players left. You know, you you had I think Margarita was one. Crone Gracie was one. Um, they go, they'd be down 18 to nothing and get the submission. I mean, it's always going for the kill. Yeah. Always going for the kill, but they would put themselves in those positions to go for that submission. So yeah, I, I, I love seeing, I love seeing submissions. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know, I, I, I might. I might start supporting, you know, the the submission only. What is EBI? Is that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, they use they a lot of them typically use the EBI, the Eddie Bravo Invitational rules. Right. He's kind of put in a pretty good rule set where they have um, either like eight or ten minute matches, just kind of depending. And then um, they have like the overtimes where they have the certain positions, like either I think one's a back take, right, and then the other is the armbar. Okay. So I really do like that, um, but I think. Some of the tournaments just kind of do like a modified version of that, uh, but yeah, yeah. Didn't they just have one right here recently? Something similar to that, run by Tenth Planet. Um, there was just a submission. It's called the Submission Challenge, which is run by the ISOF International Submission. I don't know. Some, I don't know. I'm messing I that up. That was affiliated with Tenth Planet. It might be. It might be. Okay. It might be. I really don't know, to be honest with you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know about that one until I saw, you know bunch of pictures on facebook i don't i don't yeah. think they promoted that very well probably not I, I, there aren't any 10th planets in this area there's one uh over in uh o'fallon really gary meek okay gary i knew meek. there was one at one point but then i knew it closed and i didn't know if there were any other no gary gary meek was a 
a guy that trained with us up till he was a purple belt and he just wanted uh he just wanted uh he was always doing funky stuff you know he like you know he had amazing flexibility he was a taekwondo guy also and he uh he left and went and set up his own shop in O'Fallon and he's uh pretty much no gi really? I think they do a little gi Mm. But yeah, he's he's the only tenth planet person I know around here. O'Fallon, Illinois, 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 Illinois. Yeah, he's over by me. Okay, okay, yeah. It's very interesting that there's not a strong leg locking community in the Midwest. You see it on the coast a lot. I'm not a big leg locker. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I. Uh, not many people are around no, here. No, they're not. They're, no. They really aren't. And uh, you know, as a black belt, shit, I should. You know, I know how to do them, but I, I should probably be going for, you know, creating yeah. more opportunities for, yeah. for more submissions. So, um, you know, and then there's a big thing right now about implementing heel hooks in the gi. Yeah. You know. What are your thoughts on that? You're not a big fan of heel hook? Um, I understand they have a place. Mm-hmm. They have a place. Um, I don't know. I, I think they can do so much damage. They really can if if the person who's putting it on isn't like if they have no regard for your safety, they can really tear your whole leg up. And and you got to think about the guy or girl getting it done to them and not knowing how to properly defend. Yeah. I mean that that that's a uh, that's a career ender right there. Yeah. So for the sport jujitsu, I don't know. I'm I'm still up in the air. I've never been a big fan. Uh-huh. Um I know how to do them. I've had them done to me, you know, and I know how to defend them. Um I don't know. You know, maybe it'll create, maybe, maybe that'll solve our problem with submissions, you know, allowing. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I've been playing with the legs more this year. I've never really played with them a whole lot. Um, uh, so Mike has showed, um, S he, she showed us, uh, you know, just a straight ankle lock in the mm-hmm. past, which, you know, a white belt can do that. Um, but it wasn't until earlier in this year, I went down to Austin, Texas, and I did a tournament. And I know there's a 10th planet. There's a pretty big 10th planet scene in Texas. And um, so I was expecting a lot of leg locks. But the first tournament I went to, it, there, I didn't really see a whole bunch of it. But I got invited back to do this invitational. At, I don't know if you're familiar with the company on it. Um, so they're based in Austin, Texas. They, um, they call them, like, call themselves like total human optimization, total human optimization is like the, how they kind of describe themselves, but they do like supplements and they have like a gym and they do like, um, they make like workout equipment as far as, um, like battle ropes and kettlebells and different things. But, um, at that gym, it, there's a 10th planet and they hold this invitational, um, where they like, they invite all these, like it's a Nogi invitational and uh, and so they invite these guys down. So I got invited down there to compete, and it was like my first real exposure to like high level like nogi grappling. And I noticed a lot of them were tenth planet, and obviously there were a lot of leg locks. So like that really like piqued my interest to be to want to start like studying it and learning it. And um, for me, it's just been more about like can I like at least lock down this position not necessarily going for the submission or anything like that, but can I like whatever it is like figure for your leg or however it is like trap you in that. So it's like, well right now, like, you know, I could really rip your, like your knee off if I wanted to, but at least I have this control right now. Right. So a lot of people just want to jump straight for that submission and that's the problem. How'd you do down there? Um, I didn't do too well. And, uh, so I, I went against a real young dude's name. His name is William Tackett. He's a blue belt, and he trains at a check mat in Austin. And uh, 
this kid is sick. So I, I, I don't think I gave the tournament enough respect because I, uh, it was on a Saturday and I flew down that morning. I think I only slept like four hours and I flew down that morning and, uh, and I went against this young savage and uh, he get, he, uh, submitted me in a Dars, I think like five or six minutes in, I think okay. five minutes in. And uh, I think they were eight minute rounds. So, Hats off to the kid. The kid is savage. He, um, I think he won Nogi Worlds um, as a blue belt, and he won the uh, the absolute. And then he also, I think he took third at Adult Worlds. Gee, as a blue kid, is savage man. He's seventeen. Seventeen years young old. kid. Yeah, I actually, man, it, it was a real. I mean, if there's one sport that would check your fucking ego, it's jujitsu, dude. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, I thought I was gonna go down there. Like, I'm a purple, <coughs> like purple belt two stripe. I was like, ah, man, I'll be fine. I'll go down there. It's just jujitsu. Let's go have some fun. Like, I didn't take it serious like I should have. And um, I mean, I should have went down there the night before, got like good rest, and then like went and competed. And this was at a, I think the weight was 185. He weighed in at like 74. So he didn't have to cut. No, he was way underweight. Like he was, he he bumped up to a different division to do this. And he, um, this kid, I, I I told him afterwards, like, dude, I'm a huge fan of yours. He went against in the semifinals the guy who actually won it. His name's Kyle Chambers out of Tenth Planet Oceanside. Kyle's a savage, and w- Will Tackett was winning that entire fucking match. He was controlling him. He had his back. He was winning that entire match. Kyle's just a he's a veteran. And he knows how to work through those situations, and he ended up getting the submission. I mean, that's what you do. But, uh, dude, I was I was like, holy cow, this kid is amazing. And then it's just one of those eye-openers. It's like, hey, man, you got to, like, if you want to do this, if you're really trying to compete, like, you got to – you can't half-ass this. You just can't do it. It doesn't work. Well, thank, thank God for the old man divisions because – these these younger kids would run through would run through us. I mean, there's probably blue belts, purple belts on the adult level that that'll murder me. You know, Man, I, I mean, and, and the level, the levels that these kids are reaching these days. I mean, you know, look at Roberto Jimenez down in Texas or Alliance. I okay. mean, that kid was blue and purple beating black belts. Yeah, I mean, he he he's a savage and he's a brown belt now. He Double gold at the Worlds at Purple Belt submitted everybody. Oh, shit. Everybody. Yeah. I mean. That, it's that, a different world. I think yeah. of uh, I think of the Ryan brothers um, that train out of uh, in New York under uh, Donaher, uh, Nicky Ryan and Gordon Ryan. Yep. Like, I mean, Nicky Ryan is 16, I 16 think. 16 years old. Beating black belts. And then, you know, I think they've only been training like seven years, I think. Those are gym rats. Yeah, man, right and, and they're on the world level, just uh, just killing it. There was that recent, uh, I can't remember the name of the tournament, but there was like a team tournament that just happened pretty recently, and uh, Gordon Ryan's team, I think he was with uh, Team Alpha Male on a, a Uriah Favors team that he okay. put together, and uh, basically their team won because Gordon Ryan won the whole thing. He's amazing. Yeah. He is amazing. I want to see him in the gi, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect what he does. He said and, he's going to put on the gi and compete at Worlds. He should. He shouldn't limit himself. Yeah. You know, I've always been a gi guy, and I'm thinking, well, eh, in my older years, maybe I should go no gi, you know, and, and not limit myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've, um, 
I've done what I've done in the gi. Let's see if I can replicate that in no gi. Yeah. Well, you know? I think, again, some of that's just the uh, the culture of where we're training jujitsu. There's True. not a big no gi community True. at all. True. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you've had a lot of success in the gi, right? So yes. we kind of got off track there for a that's second. Okay. No, sorry. Yeah. <coughs> I'm, I'm the king of getting off track. <laughs> that's, so. a, that's totally okay. That's what this is all about. There's no real track to be on. But I definitely want people to hear kind of your journey with jujitsu. So um, you we, we left off your blue belt. You're training at Rodrigo's. Um, you guys are out at Worlds. How'd you do out there? I think, let's see. I know they called <laughs> they called us out for the first match in I knew who my opponent was and, you know, cause I was that guy that would get on the internet oh, and look, everybody yeah, up, I'd look huh? everybody up. And, and back in 07, you were, it was more limited cause there wasn't a, as many resources available. Right. But, uh, <clears throat> I remember the guy that came up, he would, he would have been, I think he was on the other side of the bracket and, uh, the referee spoke zero English. So he's like, he points at both of us and tells us to go out on the mat. And I'm like, that's not my opponent. And he said, that's not, you know, he, he said the same thing. And he kept pushing us out on the mat. And um, I look over and Rodrigo is on the other side and there's slowly, you know, you get big old mass of people coming over um, to watch us go. And I'm like, please, Rodrigo, get over here. And, you know, this is before I spoke any Portuguese. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I didn't know what to say to the guy. So I went out there and I just, I kind of half-assed through the match knowing it wouldn't count. So, and I think the guy beat me five to three or whatever, you know, so I, I really didn't give a shit and we sorted that out, but it was a good warm up. Yeah. And then I, I tore through like three matches and I think I got to the quarterfinals or the, maybe the match before that. I mean, I had like 68 people in my division. It's a big bracket. So, um, I know I got caught in a triangle and I told myself I'd never get caught in another triangle and I haven't since then, but. I mean, he, he locked it up and it only takes I, one. Yeah, right? I was almost out. So, Ooh. and when people ask, how do you get out of a triangle? I say, don't get in it. That's so. the best way. Uh, <coughs> I'm listening to you. I don't know if this, I think this video stopped. I'm still listening to you talk though. But no, we, we had a great time out there. Um, um, like I said, Tracy, Tracy was the one he took a third at ultra heavyweight shortly there after we came back, he got his purple belt. Um, then I guess, I don't know, I, I probably did a few more tournaments. I did a couple up in Wisconsin, you mm -hmm. know, with Naga. And, you know, again, I was at, and Rodrigo loved this because I was the guy that'd be like, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go fucking compete. Let's go. I'll get the, ho Naga gave me my hotel. No, oh, because you worked all these tournaments. Yeah, I worked at tournaments and they didn't stick anybody else in with me. So I would, Just I would, I would load everybody, everybody in. in and it was great. But uh, I mean, we did that. We did it at Arnold's. We did that all, all, all these tournaments. It, it was, it was amazing. And then, uh, <coughs> I don't know. I, I started. I don't know. We had some drama or whatever. So uh, toward the end of the year, so I got out of jujitsu. I think I stopped around December of '07. Uh, I was already a blue belt, and uh, I set out from December of '07 to October. Of oh nine, I didn't do shit. I got fat. That's two years. All. Yeah, two yeah. years. I didn't do shit. I just started, and I got in some drama, and uh, you know, I'm not gonna rehash it, and I'm not gonna assign any blame because I probably take some of the blame, and uh, and whoever was involved, that that that's not even important at this time 
um, let's just say I, I learned from all the mistakes I make. It's important to move forward. It is. It is. Um, Mike Rethmeyer called me up and said, hey, man, I'm, I knew he was over in O'Fallon at Katie Clavin's. Um, I think it's a YMCA or a rec center. Okay. And he was looking to, you know, open up a school and get out from under the place he was in. He goes, come up and train and you can help out. I think I was his highest ranked guy, you know, I was just mm-hmm. a blue belt. Um, and I was like, you know, Mike, I, I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I, I wasn't having fun. You mm-hmm. know, I got, you know, I got involved in some bullshit and he goes, well, you know, I said, I'm not going to pay for something that I'm not going to have fun doing. He goes, man, you can train for free. Oh. And I'm like, well, that's, that's, I like that word. Yeah. That's so, a, I mean, when you put it that way, <coughs> I milled it over, <coughs> um, Need some water or anything? No, I'm okay. good. I drink Red Bull and I get jittery here. So everybody that knows me, my <laughs> Red Bull habit. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I went in there, you know, sporadically trained. I'd fucking, I'd get my ass beat or somebody pass my guard, somebody submit me. Mm-hmm. And I fuck. You know, because starting over sucks. Yeah. Starting over fucking a Because you know where you were and you're like, right. I should still be there. Right. And when I start training again, I'm I'm gonna be doing the same thing. It's mentally tough. It, it's it's horrible. So I finally started supplementing my training outside of the gym with diet, with running, with you know doing whatever I could. Yeah. To uh, you know help get back in shape. And I remember the first time I competed, JW had I think it was like one of the first state championships he had. It was in 2010 February out in St. Charles. I had a match. And, uh, fuck, how old was I? Fucking 41 at the time. Four, yeah, 41 years old. I went against some guy that was like fucking 25. Oh, how old were you? How old were you when you started the sport? 37. Okay. Yeah, so you so, got in late in life anyway. Yep. <coughs> so, uh, <coughs> I, I won that match. It was the only match I had. And I won that match. And I remember coming off the mat. And I'm like, holy fuck. I mean, my throat's dry. My body, you know, yeah, I'm like, oh. forearms are all fucking burned, burned. out, dude. Ex- exactly. Oh my gosh, exactly. Man, you can't, can't close your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was rough. I was like, man, it's got to turn. It's got to turn, you know, because I went from having so much success. I mean, I was a white belt. I was beating blue belts. And mm-hmm. I think I even beat a purple belt. And then I was a blue belt beating purple and brown. So. You know, I, I expect the same. Right. So uh, I think I went to one more tournament, like the best of the something in Omaha. And I fucking, I lost to some 16-year-old kid by an advantage. Oh. And th- this kid's a stud with Alliance now. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I felt even worse coming off that. I was just so, so just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't know what it was, but... Within the next month, I, I put it all together, and uh, I really, uh, you know, watched my diet. I mean, I, I, I thinned up a lot, too, because, I mean, when I came back, I was, fuck, I was probably 240 pounds. So I, I was down around 215 now. I was lean. I was yeah, feeling good. Out. I was getting my sleep. I was doing what I needed to do. <clears throat> then we, uh, I was like, well, let's try this Pan Am shit out. You know, it's 2010, and go out there and I think I stayed out there with Anthony Carlson out in Omaha he's from Omaha under Rodrigo and uh Rodrigo was there and I forgot who else was there but where were Pan Am's at at this time 
that was uh, that was Irvine. Irvine. There, that was in Irvine. Is, is that where they always are? Yeah. Okay. University of California, Irvine. Okay. So uh, I got out there. <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I kicked. I, I mean, I kicked ass. I, I didn't expect to go out there and fucking win it. You know, I was like, hey, it's just another tournament. Let's go out here and, and compete and have fun. I, that was my first Pan Ams. Then uh, I tried my luck at the Absolute. I won my first match, and then my second match. I don't know what the fuck I was doing out there, but it wasn't jujitsu because <laughs> I was so preoccupied with something else that uh-huh. um, I only lost like two, two to nothing, four to nothing. But I mean, yeah, I, it wasn't me out there. It was it was somebody that invaded my body. So uh, you know, after that, you know, I just I started. Uh, competing oh let's see i went I, I won the chicago open later on that year and that's when mike gave me my purple belt and i was like fuck i'm not ready for this i i never ever wanted a belt i never ever wanted a fucking strike it always feels weird when you get your next promotion because it's like ah oh, man especially when it's a new belt <coughs> color because you got to get used to looking at that and it looks new like the belt looks I fucking ha- new i, I, fucking so hate, I that. hate that new looking <laughs> belt so i just it's like maybe i should just wash it to make it look but it's like ah oh, man yeah put that time in yeah if if you get promoted from one belt to the other and your fucking old belt looks like your new belt, you didn't fucking deserve that shit. Oh, man. Like, my belt looks like trash. I posted something the other day. I said um, I, I took a screenshot of uh, – I zoomed in on Rodrigo's belt. And I said, my <laughs> like, jiu-jitsu goes, like, train until your black belt turns white. That's right. Yeah, man. Just fucking let that thing and fall his, apart. His is pretty tattered because I think he's pretty close. He, I think he should be getting awarded his sixth pretty soon six degree how long does that take to get that see the first three or three 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 so that's nine years this. five ten fifteen twenty four years oh, i know man. he's been a black belt twenty four years so yeah that's pretty that's pretty impressive yeah man i, I hope to make that i hope i'm alive long enough to, to make <laughs> that but but uh when i won i won the chicago open um as a blue belt it was my first Chicago Open, and I remember I just fought ultra heavy just so I didn't have to cut weight. <laughs> like, whatever's easy, let's just go <laughs> exactly, do this. Exactly, exactly. So I get in the finals, and uh, this guy's like 260, 270 pounds, and I'm probably fucked 215. And I just remember the whole fucking, the whole, I forgot where we were even at, somewhere up in Evanston. I remember the whole venue just went quiet because I threw this guy, and he hit the fucking ground. Oh. And the whole place went quiet, and then, you know, a, a, a cer- certain, you know, group of people clapped and screamed or whatever. I thought, wow, that's pretty fucking cool. But uh, I remember after I won that, we went, went back up and sat down, and I had signed up for the Absolute, and Mike Rethmeyer hands me my purple belt. Yeah, at the tournament? At the tournament, and I'm like fuck put that back i don't want that put that back in your bag i said i still have to do the absolute anyway yeah so you're going to disqualify me from the absolute so um which was cool because then i won the absolute and fuck i had some tough matches in that and and made some friends that i still talk to to this day and uh then he he, he promoted me on the podium and uh and comprito was right there when, oh yeah yeah so i've known comprito a long time <coughs> then uh Let's see, 2000, 2011, I started gearing up, and that, that's when I caught that injury. Um, so I, I didn't do um, – it kept me out of the Chicago Open before the Pan Ams. Uh, I still went to the Pan Ams. Like I said, I got to the quarters. Yeah. Um, but what was more, more, uh, more amazing was watching my buddy, you know, win the Pans, the guy that I paid for to go out there, Dave Copeland, and uh, see him get his purple belt upon our return. Yeah. 
So, uh, but yeah, then, then, you know, then I sat on the shelf for fuck six months, seven months, you know, yeah. while I, while I recouped and yeah, dude, surgery never fucking, it's always a long, always a long road back. I, I think I'm good for another one or two before I, before I ret- totally retire. I, yeah. I mean, there's one looming there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, so I'd like to have my body checked out or <laughs> yeah man they're doing a lot of amazing things with stem cells maybe we just shoot yourself with stem cells and see what kind of tissue we can regrow exactly I, yeah i'm sure i could use some in my knees and shoulders and elbows and yeah but yeah and then i mean two, 2012 we touched upon that a little bit that was uh that was by far you just went on a tear that year i, I just went on a tear everything clicked yeah everything was going right that's uh, a good feeling and you know, I was meeting great people. I was training with great people. <clears throat> um, Were you still at Mike's at this time? I'm still at Mike's. I'm still at Rethmeyer's over in Belleville. Um, double gold at the Pans. I think I had like seven matches. And uh, in both finals I submitted, you know, both semifinals I had the same guy. Oh, really? Oh, my God. This guy was fucking Nigerian. His name was... Shit, I can't even think of his name now. But mm-hmm. I mean, the the first one, I think I it was, I was winning two to nothing. I thought I was winning five to nothing. I thought I had a guard pass. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> apparently it was two to two to nothing with an advantage. And right at the end, I was so fucking tired. I let the guy sweep me. Yeah, man. What a dumb fuck I was. <laughs> when you're tired, though, sometimes it's just like, fuck it, man. Just fuck it. <clears throat> right. Sweep me because I already have the advantage. I'm going to win. Yeah. But, and then in the uh, absolute sems, it was it was a it was a zero zero. It, it was it was a brutal fucking match. I mean, because this guy was so strong, he was trying to throw me. I was trying to you know take him down. He tried to pull guard once, and I got through to pass, and he backed out. And I'm like, where the fuck's my advantage? You know. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I look back at that. I wasn't even gonna do the absolute after I won. You know, I text Mike and I said, I won, I won. He goes, All right, get ready for the absolute. I said, I don't want to do the absolute. He said, well, you're doing it. He said, I'm doing it. And, and I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm glad I made this. I'm glad I was pushed. Yeah. You know. To, Helps have that coach. Yeah. Coaches to, are so vital. So many people think they can do it without them. No. They Fucking can't. crazy. They can't. No. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you can do a lot of the shit on your own, but there's there's those little things that, you know, he, he pushed me out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to do this. So I'm going against you know, I think everybody I went against, other than my semifinal guy, won their division. So, um, <coughs> you know, it, having a good coach is vital because because he he or she sees what you don't see. Yep. And and knows what you're capable of, capable of and what you're going to get into and and you know how you're gonna um, how you're gonna do. So, then uh, later on in the summer. I was invited to a brown and black belt open, and I was just a purple belt. Oh, shit. Where was that at? That was out in Kansas City. Okay. So, <clears throat> I lost in the semifinals to Ignacio Neto, and he's a Gracie Baja guy down in Texas. Okay. He, he, he's, he's tough. He's a really tough guy. And uh, if I'd have beat him in the semifinal, I made it to the semifinals. If I'd have beat him, I'd have had my, my uh, professor that gave me my black belt, Leo Pisania, Thank God I lost because Leo would have clowned on me worse than he clowned on anyone else. Just Leo's to, a savage. Oh, he's a savage, definitely. Yeah. But, <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> I had a match with Inacio that 
I think they were 10 minute matches and, and that was something new because, you know, I was an old fucker. So I mean, I'm used to the five or six minutes and here I have to go adult rules, 10 minutes. So I think I was down two to nothing with like three minutes left. And, um, he attacked that arm that I had just had surgery on. So I said, fuck, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to tap. So and, yeah, yeah. It's better to tap than to lose that arm. That's man. right. That's right. I'm, I'm thinking I have, you know, this is midway through the year and you know, I'm slated to go to Brazil they had the first Masters, you know, IB, uh, IBJJF Master Senior. It was called Master Seniors back then. Okay. So, ended up winning my third place match. And then uh, later on in the year, I went to Brazil. Had great success down there. I got to trade <clears throat> Novo Yao headquarters where uh, Jose Aldo, oh, uh, yeah. Leo Santos, all those guys train. Oh, nice. I trained with Chico Mello. Um, he's a big Novo Yao you know, figurehead. Um, he's what actually, part of Brazil is this? I was in Rio. Rio? Rio. Okay. So, but I stayed with Pasanya. I stayed with his whole family down there. It, it, it was great. You know, I got to train a GF team. And, and down there, you know, cross-training is, you know, they don't think anything of it. It's just but, what they do. Yeah, they don't have they don't have somebody saying, oh, you can't go train with them, you know. Yeah. They, you know, it, it's a fucking family. How, how are you going to learn if you just stay in one little room? Yeah. You got to get out and branch out. So definitely helps to get those other looks whenever you can, for sure. That's the beauty about jujitsu. It's a huge (coughs) community and, um, you can go anywhere in the world and find a gym and and go roll. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and 99.9% of the time you're, you're welcome and you're going to have a positive experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Not a lot of ego in jujitsu. I mean, there's, there's definitely people there, but, um, in general, I've just had nothing but positive experiences, especially whenever I was at Master Worlds, like um, just going around, just meeting like all these like world champions. Like they're just so chill and just so cool. And like uh, I think Vitor Shaolin was sitting behind us, yep. and like I didn't even know who he was. Like Tracy's pointing all these people out to me. I'm just like, yeah. oh fuck! Like <laughs> these dudes are straight killers, man. Yeah. You, you you had a better guide than I would have been because he he can pick those he he can pick out everybody. Yeah. So yeah, um, you had a good guide out there. So. Yeah, it, it, it's a great experience because, you know, typically you just see these guys on Instagram or Facebook or right. YouTube or whatever. And then, wow, I'm standing in front of, you know, yeah, man. greatness. Yeah, whoever it might be, there's just so many of them. You know what I mean? Cyborg, uh, Jean-Jacques. <coughs> I, I meet someone new every time, you know, every time I go to a tournament. Um, 2013, I stayed with a friend of mine, uh, KJ. Uh, Kevin James Gonzalez okay. and I stayed at his house and what an amazing host fuck who do I have there I got Bouchesha Marcelo Mafra um, um, Leo Vieira his wife uh, Lucas Lech mm-hmm. I mean you you have the Checkmat Dream Team over at his fucking house and I'm like you know, I'm like a little kid. So how did I get invited to this? Right. Here here I am, one of the old, I'm probably the oldest fucker in the house. You know, KJ might be a little bit older than me. Sorry, KJ. Um, but here I am like, holy fuck. You know, whereas some other little kid would be going like, oh, LeBron or, you know. Uh, and it's really, you know what? It's, I'm glad you said that because that is the fucking equivalent in our sport. Like, you can't go to any other sport and... For lack of a better term, like have like royalty of that sport. You're absolutely. You know right. what I mean? Like sitting in the crowd, <coughs> talking to you, 
taking pictures and happy to fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like, you'll never go to any basketball game and there'll be Michael Jordan, LeBron James, whoever, the, whoever you want to sit, sit, sitting in the stands right. with you, walking around, you know, <laughs> taking pictures with you. You know what I mean? No, like, no, they're in their box or they're like right there on the sideline. Like, you right. can't get to them. No. You can't do that. You can't go to a, a football <clears throat> game and have Dan Marino like sitting next to you and the, it's not going to happen. Right. I think Tracy brought up, you know, it's like we went out to, you know, they, they went out to eat with Hickson. But if people only knew who the fuck that was. Yeah. You know, holy. If, if, if they only knew. Yeah, man. So. That's yeah. crazy shit. Yeah, That's it's crazy. Great. And I get to meet someone, you know, I think it was 2016 Worlds. Um, I took bronze weight class, bronze uh, absolute. In my quarterfinal absolute match, I did a tornado throw, what Cyborg does. And Flow, Flow Grappling posted it and nice. Cyborg saw it. And, uh. He was sitting there, you know, we were looking, and he goes, man, that looks pretty good. That looks better than what I do. <laughs> so I said, well, I highly doubt that. But He's a thick dude, man. He's he, he big. Is, he is. I was like, holy he's shit. A, he's amazing. Yeah. He's, he's got it. For a big guy, he's got he, – he has kind of a small guy game. He can mm – -hmm. he's really – he can move. Yeah, he doesn't move like a little guy. I mean, like a big guy. Like a big guy, yeah. yeah. But um, <coughs> he's just a solid-ass solid dude, just – that's a da that's a dangerous any big guy that moves like a small guy is gonna right. be fucking dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So, so were you a black belt that two thousand sixteen? That was only a couple years ago. Sixteen, yeah. I got my black belt July fourteen. So okay. yeah. Um fourteen. Yeah, I got it right before right before the fucking worlds. You know, it's like, hey Rich, you gotta come back. I'm on vacation. I'm out in South Carolina. You gotta come back. We're having a seminar Saturday. I said, Well, I won't be back till Sunday. We'll leave leave early. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> jujitsu will do that too. Like, hey, listen, dude, we're doing this. Well, I call I call Leo up. And yeah. I go, hey man, am I getting my black belt? And he goes, yeah. I said, can we do this Sunday? Yeah. So I ended up getting back Saturday night. I get my black belt the next day with uh, Jason Smith. So, which I had trained with Jason back at Hood Rigos, and uh, fucking went to the worlds like a couple months after that. So yeah. that was like I, I wanted to win at Brown. Because, you know, at 2013, I made a cut from super to heavyweight, and heavyweight's 208. I was like 197. Hmm. So it was like once the weight started coming off, it wouldn't fucking stop. Yeah. You know, and I was eating good, and, I, man, I was just – that's the best shape I'd been in since I started. So uh, I went out there. I took third. Um, still wasn't happy with my performance. I should have made the finals. Um, I made a tactical error, and uh, – First time my guard had ever been passed in a competition. Really? Yeah, first time my guard had ever been passed in a competition. And uh, I had, I mean, I pulled guard and almost flaw to the guy in like fucking 20 seconds. And I went to kick, to sit up, and I kicked a grip out of my hand, and he passed. Mm. And he, he almost submitted me about three times. I mean, he had that, he had that choke. And uh, I don't know how the hell I got out of it, but I got out of it. Butterfly sweep, and I went to pass, and we were out of bounds. Mm -hmm. So then he had me in lockdown. Which I fucking hate that. Yeah, so. yeah, you just stuck. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with that performance at all. 2015, I went out. I think the next year, 2015, was I at Ultra? I think I was at Ultra again. <laughs> Shit, dude. And uh, two years in a row at Ultra, and same thing. I fucking kicked the grip out of my fucking hand. That's when I realized I was having. I had dislocated my 
shoulder or oh, collarbone. Yeah. I forgot what they fucking told me. I mean, it was sticking up about two inches. Oh wow! It it was it was nasty, and so it had it had totally just made made my left arm useless. So I mean, my bicep had shrunk, my forearm had shrunk. I started having wrist problems. I started having grip problems. So uh, therein lies the reason why my guard was getting passed because I was kicking out of that omoplata and losing that grip. Yeah. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, two, 2016 was the last time um, last time I competed um, at a big tournament, and that was the Worlds. Mm-hmm. And uh, lost in the semifinals against my old nemesis, Chris Howe. Um, he's my buddy, so yeah. I say nemesis jokingly. But yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that 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 was my last big tournament, and just you know, after that, I just really, I don't know, I lost the desire. Yeah, I I just I I became very stagnant. I became very negative. Um, I don't know. I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't making the right decisions. I was fucking miserable. Yeah. So I was miserable where I was at. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm hoping to come out of that soon. Yeah. You know? It definitely happens, man. You definitely have to want it. I did that with um, with MMA. I mean, I fought for almost a decade, and uh, I tore my sh- I tore my labrum and my rotator cuff, and I had surgery. And then that was like, I mean, it was almost a whole year. But it was yeah, a whole year between fights because of that. So like the whole time, like yeah, I'm thinking about it. And, like I did want to fight, and then I went through. I had a great training camp. Everything went really well. But then, like, I got into the cage and I was fighting. I'm just like, I don't even like this. Like, I don't even want to be here. I just, for some reason, it was really weird. Like, I just lost the drive and um, lost that fight against a really good dude. Uh, his name is Zach, uh, Zach Busia. Um, good fighter. But um, I uh, took another fight six months later after that. Same thing. I went through an awesome training camp. But, like, through the whole time, like, I was never really pumped. It was almost like I was just going through the motions. Right. And, like, um, I would train and like I didn't I basically stopped sparring because like I started worrying about my brain too much like I didn't want to get hit in the head so it was just like like once you don't mentally want it anymore like it's 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 really weird you know what I mean like once that that switch goes off the for me anyway it's like I'm it's like time to move on you know what I mean like once you start worrying about the wrong shit right at least for fighting right no I mean I I lost the desire to fight you know a long time ago sparring when I, Mike Stocker, who now is one of the, uh, one of the, you, you probably see him at your fights. He's one of the state officials. Oh, okay. Now he, I used to spar with him and that fucker would not hold back. And he, he yeah. dropped me two and three times, you know, and, and that's when I lost my design. And that was years ago. That's yeah. for, I even, that's for, I even, you know, jujitsu was even in my mind, you know, yeah. I wanted to kickbox and box and I box as a little kid. Oh, you know, yeah. it was my grandpa was golden gloves, but, uh, when I started boxing with him, it was fun, you know, you know, just sparring, hitting mitts. And then he's like, okay, let's go. And first time out there, you know, I caught him, you know, I caught him and he just fucking waylaid me and dropped me and his wife's yelling at him. Yeah. And so I did that about two more times. I said, you know what? Fuck, I do not like to get hit. It sucks. It sucks. You know, you put me in a street fight, I don't give a fuck. In, in, in a ring, you have to maintain your composure. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I couldn't do it. There's, there's fucking no way. I, I just couldn't do it. Um, you know, but, but, uh, you know, on the street, I would, I would rather fucking just street fight. That's, <laughs> that, that's how I grew up. A little rowdy. You know? Yeah. I, <clears throat> you know, I've been martial arts my whole life and 
I fought my whole life, and you know, my dad basically said, "Fuck you, go out there and fight. You just kill that motherfucker. You, oh, know, really? you bite their fucking face off. You do whatever the fuck you need to do. You and, win. Yeah, you do whatever you. And, yeah, that's and, what Bruce Lee used to say. It's like fucking elbow them, hit yeah. them in the nuts, hit fuck. them in the eyes, fucking B- bite, bite their nuts them. off. Fuck it. Like in the streets, that's how. That's what wins. Yeah. And and I know that's you know I you can't build a career fighting in the streets. I mean, it's definitely not cost you more money. But <laughs> you know, and and th- those were my wilder days. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I have the utmost respect for the guys that can get in there and just and, and train and 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 take the blows to the head, the gut, yeah, the kicks, the knees, the elbows. Fuck. Yeah, man. I um. I'd much rather just train a grappling sport, which is what I do. Right. Yeah, which is what I do because um, I couldn't even, like, unless, like, I, I mean, it's, I think it's a good skill to have to know how to fight, right? Throw punches, throw kicks, different things. But, um, like, I used to I used to teach Muay Thai and teach kickboxing and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I, it's just it's just so hard on the body to train that. You know Very what I hard. mean? Like, you're, you're getting kicked all the fucking time. And it... I'm kind of torn because it does, like, toughen your body up. You know what I mean? Because the body becomes soft if it's not taking punishment. But, dude, sometimes you kick it. You ever kicked an elbow? Absolutely. Dude, you kick an elbow, you get this deep-ass bruise in your shin. Every time in, in we talked, we alluded to it, like, when we started first talking, um, you're always training hurt. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, you quickly learn the difference between being injured and being hurt. Uh, at least I did, you know, growing up playing sports. And um, you're never fucking 100%. Like, you're always training hurt, essentially. Well, you have to because you'll never, you'll never evolve. If exactly. You you know, that's what I tell people. Oh, why, why weren't you practice? You know, oh, I was hurt. You know, I got a hangnail. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, man. You know, I've trained with bum knees, bum shoulders. Now, I, I did have a very bad back problem the past couple of years. Um and, you know, back, neck, you really got to watch that. You got to be careful, for sure. There's a lot of injuries you can train with, and that's what I tell, you know, what do you tell younger people? Well, train without expectation, don't use rank as a goal, and fucking train through your injuries. But don't hide them. Come out and say, hey, coach, you know, I, I have this. You Because yeah. chances are, I have a remedy for that. Here, let's tape this, or let's do this, or let's just have you do technique and not yeah. roll. Yeah, you I know, mean, there's ways to train fuck. without killing yourself. Exactly. You can still do fucking technique. Yeah. Or, you know, we'll figure out a way to keep you um, keep you going and keep you moving forward. Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between, like, a, a serious injury that we really eat. Fuck, man, you need to sit out. We got to handle this. And if you're just a little, a little hurt, you know, we can we right. can figure it out. You know, you, you know your body well, so let's... It's like you said, hurt. Are you hurt or are you injured? Yeah, so. like let's work through that. But man, when you get those deep bruises on your shin and then you kick again, and then it's just like you f- you feel like your whole shin just shattered. Oh yeah, like it's just all this pain just shoots and radiates through your leg. It's like oh my god, it's just the worst pain, dude. <laughs> the worst pain. I'm sure there's a lot of bad pain. Well, I'd like to see MMA go go back toward what it was, you know, in the first UFC, second UFC. Oh really? I mean. And, and and I'm not knocking anybody, and I'm not knocking the sport or any fighter, but, you know, you get how many months between a fight or how long's a camp, you know? Yeah. Do that and fucking fight multiple times. 
you know, go back to the original where, you know. More like a tournament style. Yeah, tournament style. Multiple fights in a night. Fuck yeah. Let's see Let's see who's really fucking tough then. You got to be tough. I wouldn't be doing MMA if that no, were the case. No, but look at look at how much but the sport's evolved. there are people evolved. out there who do. Yeah, look at the sport, how the sport's evolved though. Mm-hmm. You know, you were getting, you know, hoist in that big fucking Hawaiian and uh, Keith Hackney and Gerard Gordeaux, Remcar Pardue, all different disciplines. So, and uh, that's what lured me into jujitsu. You saw yeah. what won. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, that probably the tournament format. I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see them go back to that, but I don't think it would. I think it'd be short lived. Yeah. I think somebody would end up dying. Well, you know, some people do do that, and I know Bellator started out on the tournament <coughs> system, but they did it like over multi nights. But I mean, Pride they had a lot of those multi night tournaments, and I think uh, Pride. I th- <laughs> man they were fuck i mean they're the wild west like they encouraged steroid use and just crazy fights but um, i think bellator did a one night uh kickboxing tournament did not they? that long ago and um yeah man it makes for an exciting night and some tough sons of bitches for oh, sure man. man yeah whoever comes out i mean especially the way the fighters are today whoever comes out of that yeah i don't want to see you in a fucking dark alley Never. Fuck no. No, yeah. It's just, you know, with that, it's just so weird because, you know, your first fight could, maybe it's an easy one, maybe it's not. If you have an all-out war, your first fucking fight, and then maybe your next opponent didn't. Right. Yeah, that makes for an interesting dynamic, but hey, man, how bad do you want it? That's right. So, but I mean, we come across that in our tournaments here. Yeah. You know, we get a no-show or somebody that doesn't make weight, and then, you know, I'd rather be the guy that has the match. So I'm so I'm warmed up, but yeah. in MMA it'd be a little different because <laughs> yeah, it's, it can be a little bit different. Yeah, it you're can... you're you're going from from a grappling match to a all out, you know, feet, hands, knees, elbows. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hmm. So listen, man, Mike <coughs> was telling me that you uh you speak four languages. Who was telling you that? Mike Rogers. Uh, he how, was... how many languages do you speak? I heard you say Portuguese just okay. now. Okay, English. German, and I am by no means fluent in all these right now. At one time in my life, I was. Um, you can Eng- get by, though, if you're somewhere. I can, I can get by. Um, English, um, German, Portuguese, Spanish, Arabic. Um, I spoke a little Japanese, Filipino, Tagalog. Then I spoke a few dialects from the Philippines, uh, Bicolano, Chapacano, and... Uh, I guess a little Ilocano. So, um, it's like 10 languages, dude. I think it's seven or eight. <laughs> and, you know, my mom spoke, you know, I, I grew up in a multilingual house. I mean, my <clears throat> parents and grandparents, you know, German, Arabic, French, you know, it, you're hearing four different languages in one, you know, at one family reunion. Yeah, that's a melting so, pot. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So, um, but, you know, <clears throat> the other day <clears throat> I ran into a I think I posted this on on Facebook and uh, I ran into a lady at Target and her, she's Palestinian her little kids are looking at me so I, I you know waving at me and so I start speaking Arabic uh-huh. and I was like Inti Arabi? and they were like you know so, do you speak Arabic and they're like holy fuck so, so yeah, shocker I get to I get to talking with with the mother and she goes oh she goes, you know, I was just in the Middle East and we were just talking about our travels and our experiences. And she said, uh, you know, but 
although I'm Palestinian, I'm from Brazil. I was born and raised in Brazil. I go, get the fuck out of here. How, how, how crazy. And so yeah. I started speaking to her Portuguese. She near shit herself. So uh, then she goes, yeah, where, where do you like to go? I said, well, you know, I like Rio, but I like the South. You know, I like to get, you know, I like to get all around. And Explore. She goes, yeah, I lived in Passo Fundo. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Said so my family, you know, I have a lot of family lives in Nongmetoke, Passo Fundo, Carazinho, and they're all three cities within, you know, oh. within a certain, you know, they're not, you know, 30 minute drive to each. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy fuck, this is crazy. So um, <coughs> it's definitely, it's definitely uh, made my life um, more interesting, you know, because. You know, especially in today's political climate, you know, I see someone from the Middle East and I go out of my way to talk to them. I just start, you know, talking to them in Arabic and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, this, this is crazy. So, especially around this part of the world. Yeah. So I, I just, I just, you know, I like learning about other cultures. I like, you know, learning about other people. Um, I like conversing with them. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a xenophobe, you know, fuck you know, if you want to migrate to our country, just do it legally is all I ask. Um, but, you know, I like experiencing. I mean, if we were all just a bunch of pasty, pale white people, how fucking boring would that be? You yeah, know? well, I mean, even that's an illusion, right? Because you just you just said that, you like, your grandparents are from, like, all these different spots, right? Right. right. So it's like, <coughs> even that's an illusion. We're all kind of a, just oh. a, a mix of things. Well, we're, we're all, I mean, I, I should do my ancestor. I've been thinking about doing my ancestry DNA and seeing, you know. Yeah. I probably got some crazy shit in there. I don't know anybody. Who knows? So, yeah, who knows? You know, American Indian, who who knows? Mm-hmm. You know. Were you in the military? <clears throat> yeah, I was in the military. Okay. Did they, so, um, I guess, was that kind of a part of, like, a driving force, like, learning additional languages for you? Like, kind of traveling and... Yeah, just where I was stationed, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd try to I'd try to adapt to the language, you know, just to be able to, you know, communicate. So, you know, you know, you want the experience to be the best possible. Yeah. So, but, you know, I don't know. I, I'd like to... I was actually just online the other day looking up, like, language institutes in the area because I was like, I want to revisit... And 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 rectify, or resurrect, r- resurrect uh, some of these languages I've lost. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, you have to use it. Maybe you know. I, and I even dabbled in a little Russian too. I got a Russian tailor, so I like coming in there with new phrases and shit yeah. like that. <laughs> so and uh, but you know, I still remember. I still remember a lot of Tagalog. Um, I can still I can read and understand Spanish. Um, I'll get on uh, Al Jazeera every now and then in, in Arabic and, and, and listen and, mm-hmm. and try to, you know. But there's only so much time in the day. There, there's, there's so much shit so- I like to do yeah. in so little fucking time that it's like, God, you know. And <clears throat> right now I'm, I'm, I'm held hostage right now by an uh, by a almost three-year-old. Yeah. So uh, it's really, I mean, I haven't trained since May. So I've trained a little bit in between then, but. I just, well, life, you know, life, uh, life definitely happens, right? It does. It yeah. Does. And, yeah. And, I, and I'm not complaining. Um, I know, I know things will turn around. I know I'll get back on the mats, um, hopefully by the end of the year, mm-hmm. because <clears throat> I'd like to ramp up and get ready for 2019. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have, a I have a few things on my bucket list that I want to check off, you know, you know, I've won four Pan Am titles. 
blue, two at purple, one at brown. I want the black belt pan title. Oh, for sure. I won. Let's see. I got two gold. I two world championships at purple, a bronze at purple. I have a bronze at brown. I have three bronze, three bronze at black. I want the black belt world title too. Yeah, that's the that's the fucking pinnacle right there. <clears throat> and and people are like, oh, you can do that because you're fucking old. You're master four. You're master five. They don't even know. Mario Spirit, you know, you, you got guys that have been black belts, you know, twice as long as I've been, three times as long as I've been doing jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. That are complete monsters. People don't understand, like, once you hit that black belt level in jujitsu, it's not a fucking Kempo Karate black belt. No. You know what I mean? Like, a very small percentage of the world get that. And an even smaller percentage of those guys are elite and actually competing still. So the people you're going against are like, those aren't fucking pushovers, man. Like, these are the guys who are in here doing it. No. Look at look at Megaton. He's, shit, how old is he? I'm not going to quote how old he is because I don't know. So, <clears throat> I mean, he's Master 5, so he's over 50 years old. Yeah. He's He's competed at every adult world championships since they started in 96. He said he's going to do it until he's, I think there's 25 year mark. Oh, really? He's going to compete up to his 25th time and then he's done. But I mean, and that guy, he still goes out there and gets it. Yeah. You know, he might win a match or two, but I mean, that that guy's amazing. So I've never gone against him. And, and I hope, I hope this year I, I can get a chance to, you know, um, I'm envious. Of, I'm Tra- Tracy. You got to go against Comprito. Yeah, what other sports do you get to do that? No, you can't. I can't just go get a pickup game of basketball and, fuck, there's Kobe Bryant right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, or, exactly. Or, you know, let's play tag football, and here's, you know, whoever the fuck plays football. I don't follow sports. I don't know. I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even watch I don't watch sports, and uh, people think you're weird when you don't. It's oh, like, yeah. man, I, I can only consume so much, right. man. There's too much fucking information, dude. Right. There's only so much to learn. Like, like, like you said, like, I want to do so much. I want to start bow hunting. And I know I just need to quit talking about it and be about it and go buy a bow. But I know once I do, it's going to consume my life. <laughs> like to do archery, like you have to be good at it. Like you have, it takes a lot of time. You have oh, to practice yeah, like every day. Absolutely. And uh, to <coughs> be able to get up on an animal and uh, with a bow, I mean. That's a skill, right? Anybody can pull a trigger, but yeah, to le- level off a bow and an arrow. And- I mean, you have to be, I mean, I would say probably a safe shot at the furthest I mean, for somebody like me, I would like to be able to work up like 30 to 40 yards away, probably be a safe shot. Um, but that'd be really pushing it. You know what I mean? Ideally, you want to be in that 20 to 30 yard range. Like, you got to be fucking close to that animal. You got to smell like that animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. There's just only so much time in the day is really my only point. Um, but yeah, you're staying super busy. Did you? I don't, I don't want to like pry too much, <coughs> but um, I know you are doing a lot of things like with your daughter right now. Um, what does she have like a is a cancer or? no no um <clears throat> you can ask i'm I'm free to talk about it. it's the people it's the people that look and mumble and stare and yeah you know, and i've only had that happen on a few occasions but. yeah I, well, I was kind of like reading your your um your facebook a little bit and i saw you had mentioned like you had to change her trach and um i just wasn't really quite sure like what that was for like kind of what like what her situation that's, was that's her only means of breathing right now so um, when she was <clears throat> when she was born and she was she was a term baby, you know, thirty nine weeks. Um, she had a couple DSAT episodes where her O two levels, you know, went down. For she was even taken from the hospital, and 
So I was like, what the fuck's going on here? You know, I, I don't need, <laughs> yeah. nobody wants or needs this shit. Yeah, that's, that's some scary shit. And, and just to say this, there's a people, there's a lot of people out there with far worse problems with their children than mine. So I'm grateful for for what she has and what could you know what could be yeah i but see you hate all, to see fucking kids I go fucking, through anything I, like I, this it, man, man. It, i tear up i'm not gonna lie i i can't uh <clears throat> i can't stand seeing kids suffer yeah man in in, in, in anything i mean i mean it's just kids starving kids being abused kids having you know congenital defects and but no she was she was born and she had laryngo malaysia which is a floppiness in the airway, at the, in the larynx. Okay. So in about 10 months, they did the superglottoplasty and uh, cut that floppiness out. <clears throat> so then after that, slowly, she started having episodes where she'd get upset. You know how kids are, fucking cry over everything. Um, if it wasn't, if you didn't grab her in time and console her, you know, her vocal cords would paralyze and she'd fucking pass out. Oh shit. Yeah. So you talk about scary. Yeah. And, and thankfully they would relax as soon as she passed out and she would come back too. Mm. So it just progressively kept getting worse. And I think in the interim before we took her in May 9th of this year, she had two other procedures. I think they were just DLBs where they'd go in and, and scope and check around and look around and see what's going on. Uh-huh. And so uh, <clears throat> they decided, had three options. They could do a um, posterior anterior cricoid split where they cut the top and the bottom of the airway and open it up. And typically those are done one at a time. Okay. And, uh, and I think I think a lot of people in the ICU are like, I've never seen these both done at the same time. But, so they did them both at the same time. Yeah, they did the, the two separate surgeries, the posterior and, the, and anterior, and they mm-hmm. so they opened it up, and uh, <clears throat> I think they went in there a couple days later and, and ballooned it up to open the airway, and uh, it took it, it. That was May 9th, and fucking twenty eight days later, get out of there. It's supposed to be like ten days, and we're out of there. She developed staph in her lungs. So she was on antibiotics. So before they could go back in there, they had to clear up the staff. Oh, fuck yeah, staff's no joke, it's man. It's a fucking nightmare. I yeah. mean, thank God it wasn't MRSA. Yeah. It, it, it would have even been worse. But So you know. she contracted that from the hospital? <clears throat> yeah, which is... which is Pretty common. It's pretty common. So I, I was pissed at first. And then, you know, I, I, I talked to some people. And, and Cardinal Glennon's staff is fucking amazing. I mean, the nurses up there on point, you know. Um, the, 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 the doctors are, are amazing. I mean, they, they became a, uh, an extended family really. I mean, as long as we were up there, yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, took her out of there 28 days, get her home. Her breathing got worse. Fuck. Take her back in. It was a Saturday and, uh, they had to do a posterior or, uh, a graft. They had to cut, uh, make an incision, take part of her cartilage. And use that to open up the airway. So they did that. That surgery went well. Then uh, they went back in there a day later. The graft was still, everything was alive and, and working well and doing well. I think we stayed there five days. Got out. Back six days later for a follow-up. They go in there. Everything looked good, but her breathing was shitty. Mm-hmm. You know, she was retracting. 
Um, she was still stridulous or, you know, okay. like that. And retracting is when you suck in, you know, you suck really deep in the chest. Um, uh -huh. Strider is that, that wheezing sound. Okay. So, um, get her back to the room and she desatted twice, like in the twenties and thirties. What's desat mean? Desat her, her, you know, your oxygen level in your blood should be, you know, should be a hundred percent, you know, but you know, oh, so like in, in the nineties to a hundred. Yeah. Okay. It depends on the peep on the person. I saw some people in the ICU that their normal blood set, you know, their O2 sets were 60%. Oh wow. Fuck. You know, you yeah. definitely couldn't be in sports, but, <clears throat> but, uh, I mean, they had to bag her a couple times. I mean, I'm, I'm giving you the reader's digest version here, but they had to bag her a couple times, you know, her, her, her breathing was so bad. Yeah. But uh, the 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 option was, you know, to to take her out of the hospital. Now you have to trach her. Oh. So <clears throat> I'm like, just do it. I didn't even think about it. I said, just fucking do it. So they did it. It went well. I walked in the room, and I'd never cried like a pussy so bad in my life. I mean, I just, man, I just, I, you know, she was still out. So uh, I mean, I just. I told everybody get the fuck out of my room. Yeah, you know, well, get the fuck out of my kids' room. Yeah, I the, the one nurse I knew somebody had to stay, but I told her just get the fuck out of here. Um, I I needed to digest this. It it, it was hard, man. Yeah, to walk in and see that for the first time. It, it it was fucking. It was brutal, man. And uh, but you know what? You know what brought me out of it? Her. Yeah. Fucking two days later, she's running down the hall. Like nothing happened. Like nothing happened. Yeah. You know, um, she was able, instead of, you know, the trach, you know, comes out here in the neck and then the, you put a valve on it to humidify the air so you don't get dried out and there's no risk of the trach plugging. Okay. Because if it plugs, you've got to yank that fucker mm -hmm. out and put another one in. <clears throat> but uh, to get her to talk, you put a passing mirror valve on, which allows intake, you know, allows her to inhale through the trach, but to exhale, she's got to go. Through her mouth. Through her nose, her mouth. mouth so that yeah. means it's got to go through the through vocal, vocal cords. cords. Okay. So, and, and it's squeaky. It's a funny little voice, but she was able to talk without the passing mirror. Hmm. And she's talking now. She's she's intermittent. You know, it just depends on the vocal cords and how dry she is. And, you yeah. know, there's a lot of factors. But, um, yeah, it's it's been a fucking roller coaster. You know, I had to save her. I've had to save her life about three times. And, I mean... No, I'm not trying to sound like a fucking hero. I mean, that that's my job is to keep my kid, uh, keep my kid or anybody for that, for that matter, um, from dying. But, uh, she woke up the other night with heavy secretions and you have to suction, you use suction catheters and she just couldn't breathe and she, you could just hear it. And I popped that valve off and that shit was just leaking out and she was panicked, but she let me do my work mm -hmm. and her blood, her O2 sats. We're down like 50s. I think it was like 52. I kept looking at it. I go, if you hit 49, you know, I had the I had the trach ready to go. So I was just going to clip the clip the ties and pop the new one in mm -hmm. and hold it there and wait till she settled down and then secured it. But man, it's, you know, I don't sleep, you know. And, and yeah, how the, can you, man? The, when I, when we were in the hospital for 45 day ICU, you know, they had to, they ordered me to go home and sleep. Because I just didn't sleep, and I was aggravated, you know. I was I was times combative, and uh, it wasn't, you know, wasn't anything personal. It's just right. I'm worried about my kid, 
you know, I want you guys to make the best decisions. I hadn't slept. I wasn't eating. I was eating like shit. Well, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of compounding factors there, and, and sleep being a huge one, huge. and then you had compound with the stress. Holy shit, man. I could not, uh, yeah, I couldn't really imagine a situation to where you are going to be calm after a certain amount of time of that amount of stress. It's, it's you know, I, I've, le- I've learned a lot. I've learned so much. I've... I started looking at life differently. I started looking at people differently. Um, I started looking at myself differently. Made you know, make some more positive changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. I'll never be perfect, but I always strive for perfection. You know, I think Tracy said that too. But I maybe tell, I tell my kids that. You know, um, I tell my kids that all the time. And I I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. We put the passy mirror valve on last week, and and her O2 sat stayed at a hundred for like 10 minutes. Nice. I said, okay, let's do that for 20 minutes. Let's do that incrementally and see, see mm-hmm. what happens. But I have to take her out to Cincinnati children's in November and they're the innovators and you know, they're the experts in airways and vocal cords. So hopefully they can offer, you know, no, offer, some, offer some me of, some, some hope. Yeah. Some sort of light in yeah. the, the, the tunnel, man. <laughs> Well, they're doing a lot of amazing things with medicine, that's for sure. And um, this is definitely one of those times where you just got to really appreciate a lot of the advances that we've made. So, yeah, hopefully they uh, they got something for you. Take that trip, man. Well, it's, it's a good reason to take some time away from jujitsu for sure. It is. It is. But, man, it's just like, you know, I, I stand there in the window and I'm looking out and I'm going, I miss jujitsu. And I'm thinking, you know, is it looking out the window missing me too? <laughs> Does it miss me as much? Yeah, I always tell people, well, it's not going anywhere. It's always there. It's always there. That's always the beauty of it. And and I've and and not to be a drama queen or get attention or anything like that, but I talk to people about it. It's like you know, I talk to Ezra, you know, because I I train I train under the Lennons, you know, Zach uh, Zach Levi and Ezra. Um, I've talked to I've talked to Tony Biondo. I've talked to Mike Rogers. I've talked to Leo Pisania. And man, you talk about support. You know, Leo Pisania's like, fucking jujitsu needs you. You know. You know, I like what he's saying there, but you know, jujitsu really doesn't need me, but you know, um I need it more than it needs me. So, um, you know, I'm looking I'm looking for a little light. Yeah. Just so I can jump into a class and I'll go up, I'll go up and train at the head nod squad with, uh, they're the closest to me. Well, Brazilian Mike's closest to me, but we went our separate ways in, uh, back in what, 2015. So, and, uh, that's nothing I need to get into. So I, I forgive and forget. And hopefully, you know, anybody I've ever crossed paths with negatively can forgive and forget. You know, I don't, I, not, I don't hold any grudges. But uh, I got the head nod, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I love those guys. Yeah, they're doing a lot of good things over there. I haven't had a chance to check out their space. but um, <coughs> You should I, go out there. Yeah, I know the, what Josh McKinney owns that. And, and his father, Steve McKinney. Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about, you talk about good people. And, yeah. And, and Steve's a pastor. Oh, okay. But, you know what, he, he can... I can come to him so negative and, and talk about my problems. And when I leave after talking to him, it's like, what the fuck was I, what was I complaining about? What, mm-hmm. what was the problem? And, and he doesn't, he doesn't have to push religion down my throat to get the point across. He's just so, 
he's so gifted in yeah. how he can speak to people and just what a positive influence. I mean, he's just so positive. Yeah, that's I mean, key. I just, I, I just, when I'm around him, I just almost, I don't feel like I'm worthy to be around him. I'm serious. I mean, yeah. Well, it's really hard to find um, people who are strong in their faith and <coughs> you don't feel like they're judging you. So anytime you can, and it's just all positivity, that's just a, that's a great environment to be in. And he's not, he's not judgmental at all. Yeah. You know? And, and Josh, I mean, and, and they got a great school out there. They have a great environment out there. Everybody's welcome. Um, I think they're going to outgrow their space really soon. It's a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have. And I think they're preparing for it. I've I've talked to them a little bit, um, <clears throat> and I've sent I've sent about ten people up to them. Um, but man, they're they're just great people. I mean, Josh, Josh is hilarious, so he, he, mm. he he's he he's funny as hell. And but but their knowledge, you know, I never I I knew I knew Josh was good, and I never really trained with him. And. Um, but they both surprise me at how knowledgeable they are. Mm. And, and Steve likes a lot of the stuff I do. And I like a lot of the stuff Steve does. And so, you know, the yeah. times we can get together, which are very few, um, but I'm going to make, I'm going to make room for more, but we just sit there and collaborate. And um, I mean, they're, they're, they're just great people, but there's great schools all around. Yeah. You know, Mike Rogers, I, I, <clears throat> I do anything for Mike. You know, Kyle Watson, JW, just had JW. J. I, I call and talk to him every now and then. Um, they're just they're just good resources. They're good people. Yeah, there's a lot of good jujitsu in St. Louis. They're not selfish, you know. And you know, Rodrigo. I mean, Rodrigo's the OG of St. Louis. You know, he's 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 still here, going strong with a good team. So and forgot Ezra. Sorry, Ezra. Ezra, you know under Jesse Finney, um, at Jesse Finney's place. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of good jujitsu out. Oh, fuck. What am I forgetting? Heath Pedigo. Heath Pedigo. Fucking what a fucking genius. Yeah. He's a little further from St. Louis, but he's close that's enough. That's okay. That's okay. I, I, I would be, <clears throat> I would, I would have kicked myself in the ass if I'd have walked out of here without talking about him. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, Heath the Savage. They do a lot of good stuff up there. Look at that. I mean, what's the population up there? Fucking, it's Mayberry. You yeah. Know, Mount Vernon. There's not a lot of people up there, no, but there's a lot not. of world champions coming out of that gym. Oh my God. He, I mean, he Heath is a fucking genius. That's all. He he's he's the Fabio Andrade, and Fabio is Mar Marcio Andre Izaki. Okay. That just won the world at at, at uh, medium or middle. Um, he's their coach. He's got a place in Bangu. In in uh, in Rio, okay, but Heath reminds me of him. He's just putting out all these people. He's like, "You want to win? I can do it." It's true, man. I mean, look at they Andrew, got a good gym Andrew Wiltsey. And Andrew, if you're listening to this, I shit you not. I have not forgot about you. I'm gonna fucking talk to this lawyer and get your goddamn passport. <laughs> there is no reason why you need to be held hostage in the United States and not be able to travel. He can't get us. Oh, he really? can't get it. Yeah, it's his passport because of some bullshit. And Heath's done everything in the world to prove that, you know, this guy was born here. Come oh, on. Fuck, He's got a social security I did number. I know that. Yeah. And maybe I shouldn't have said anything. I don't know. I don't think it's a secret, but I was just with, uh, during the PGA, um, and I think there were some elections and shit going on. Um, oh, were there? Yeah, when the PGA was in town. Yeah, PGA Tour came <coughs> to St. Louis probably so, a few months ago. Right. So I was I was 
bodyguard and Julio Gonzalez, who runs uh, engineered tax servicing out of Miami, New York, Washington, D.C. He is Trump's man for track tax reform. Okay. He works directly with him in Congress on tax reform. So I bodyguarded him for the time he was in town. And I, I met former Senator John Loudon, who works with them also. And he gave me a lawyer's name that could help Andrew out. Oh. So, and I've been in contact briefly with the guy, but with how, you know, with the way my life is right now, I'm easily sidetracked. I mean, just talking to me right here, you can see that. No, you're good, man. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like a fucking scent dog. You know, I catch a different <laughs> scent. And I'm going in the. Yeah, go after that squirrels. Right, right. Uh, well, yeah, fuck. man. Hopefully that shit pans out. Yeah, I just and and it's about giving back to people. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, oh, I I'd go I go compete here, but I can't afford it. You know, fuck. What is it? Seventy bucks? Eighty bucks? Here, here it is. Yeah. You know. And yeah, I got a lot of fucking medical bills for my kid, but you know, that's just outside of my normal budgeting that, you know, I have to, I have to find ways to pay that. But I, I still have enough, you know, that if I'm not paying a medical bill, I can help people. I like helping people out. So it's fun. And it's not, it's not to fill the gaps, you know, it, it's because I truly, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not to fill any character flaws and make myself feel better. It's because I, I honestly, I really like helping people. You know, I'll stop if you're on the road and side of the road. I'll help you with the fucking change your tire, you know, male or female. I don't give a fuck. You know, I'll do whatever I need to do. You need a sandwich. Yeah. I'm not going to give you money for alcohol, but <laughs> I'll buy you some fucking food. Yeah. We'll do that. You know, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, we lost sight of that as, as, as a human race. Um, so it, it's good to show people that, Hey, there's still people out there. You know, yeah. Care, so. Well, we definitely need people like that, man. We need a lot of a lot more positivity in the world because if you look at the news, <coughs> it'll say otherwise. So. Right, right. And and if you believe, I mean, you're you're getting fifteen to twenty percent of really what's going on. Yeah. And 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 it's done by design. It's to pit, you know, the left and the right against each other, and the yeah. left wing and the right wing are, are part of the same bird. So, <laughs> you know, very true. You know, very we're, true. We're, we're so divided. I mean, nine eleven. Look at nine eleven. It brought us all together. If you did another, if there was another 9-11 right here, we wouldn't come together because Probably. one side would be blaming the other side for it. And, and, and I mean, we're just so far gone right Strange now. Strange times, man. Yeah. I I, I stop, I stop posting about politics. I, I'll comment every now and then and just be an asshole. Yeah. But I, I, I don't want politics on my page. I don't want anything negative on my page. Yeah. I'm all about positivity. Yeah. 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 I just, I just saw it. I mean, it cost me friends the last election. It, it cost, you know, um, cause I, I, you know, I, I'd go overboard. I, I'd do shit just for shock value to piss people off and stuff. You know, <laughs> you know, I know this can get under his or her skin and it's just not worth it. You know, um, I don't care what your political beliefs are. Just don't force them on me. I don't care if you worship Allah. Yeah. You know. So bygones be bygones. Yeah, or God or whoever. Just, you know, we can we can coexist without without any of the other bullshit. I mean. Yeah. Uh, that And that's where I'm at. And that's that's where this whole, uh, you know, I, I, I've just been trying to get positive you know i i have to stay positive right now for my for my you know my 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 baby that goes a long way man um with healing and growing i mean fucking it has i mean just thinking positive and all the positive energy 
Yeah, absolutely. Negativity drains you. It really does. And I've seen that. It'll steal your joy. It just, it doesn't help anything. 100%. Well, Rich, this has been a great conversation, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. I want to talk more. (laughs) We could keep going, man. I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, Um, if, if I cut you off on anything, feel free to, you know, go back if... Oh no, you're good, man. You're good. Um, so if folks want to get a hold of you or is there any, if anything, I'll get floor is yours. If there's like any way, if you wanted to like plug any socials or anything you want to talk about, um, anyway, people can say hi, ask questions, anything like that. No. Yes. What? Like on Facebook? Or? Yeah. I didn't know if you want to direct people to your socials to connect with you. If not, no worries. Yeah, I mean, you it's, can, it's I, totally up to you. You can, you can catch me on Facebook. My Richard Grafe, G-R-A-E-F-F. I'm on Instagram. Excuse me. Um, I'm on Twitter, but Twitter is you don't want to be on my Twitter. It's that's where I take all my politics. Okay, it's a Twitter, and uh, <laughs> and I and typically I just get on there and troll, you know. <laughs> but uh, master troll. I mean, you can fuck. You can call me three one four seven zero four five eight two seven. I'm not. I'm not hard to get a get a hold of. Um, but again, you know, to everybody out there that's training the right way and and doing things the right way that, you know, that's what I like to see. Keep jujitsu pure. Um, I I see too much shit getting watered down. Um, shout out. If, if you guys would do this field craft survival, um, they're trying to get a show started on discovery. It's called, um, battle tested Mike Glover and Kurt Hohan. Um, they were both third special forces guys. They got a great company. They make great products and they're trying to get the show off the ground with discovery. So they did a pilot. It's called battle tested. Okay. Check it out. If you like it, fucking tweet or tag, yeah. tag them on some type of social media. Also check out all secure foundation, Tom Satterley, um, rehabilitating, uh, special operations vets. Um, they just had the 21st anniversary of, uh, the battle of Mogadishu. And Tom is all over the planet discussing um, a lot of things, uh, mainly how to cope with, you know, leaving the military and uh, PTS, TBI and all that. So those are my plugs, um, allsecurefoundation.org. And then Field Craft Survival, you can find, uh, you can find on Facebook or Instagram. Cool. So, but uh, th- those are my two plugs. And, and Head Nod Squad, I love those guys out there. But uh, as a whole... Um, I love all you guys out there in jujitsu. I like to see your successes. Um, you know, I have my, I have my heroes. I worship in, in jujitsu, but I mean, when, when somebody in St. Louis does good, you know, we all do good. Yeah. Um, so other than that, I appreciate you having me on here, man. It's the first time I ever did it. (laughs) So I, I I did a podcast. I sat there jotting down notes and started thinking to myself, well, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. So, and and, you know, I, I like it. I had fun. So well, I'm glad you had a good time, man. Fuck yeah. Yeah, good. this is a great conversation. It was good. I appreciate you having me out. We'll have to get together and train when uh, my, yeah, my let me know, fat man. ass, you know, I'll come out here if you're out at Mike's. I'll come out and train, you know, or have you over the head nod squad or, yeah. you know, wherever. I, I think you should check it out. But Yeah, yeah. I'd definitely like to check out their space. I know like, they do some open rolls on the weekends. So I think Yeah, Sunday, Sunday, 10. I have to take a drive out there sometime. something like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's well worth it. So, um, but no, I really appreciate you having me on. And, uh, now I get to go, uh, take care of my fucking kids again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is always fun. Always fun. All right, brother. Well, everybody until next time.